0: Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings.
1: Everybody, welcome to the Launch University Podcast. Uh, Again, I'm Kevin, and it's a pleasure today to have Heather Zimple on the podcast. So I I mean, I am going to talk her up. But I always feel I'm just going to be straight up. I'm going to talk her up because she's awesome, and I want you to understand the value that you have to just have an opportunity to hear what she's going to share with us today. Um, so Heather works for a church in the DC area, and she's been there for 13 years. And I think I think I'm at, I think I'm at the point 13 yeah, years. Yeah,
0: that sounds right.
1: And and for us on the Lone University podcast, we try to stress that entrepreneurship. Is equally challenging, worthy, and noble of a cause, not just entrepreneurship and doing it on your own. Because anything worth accomplishing is going to take a team, it's going to take effort, it's going to take sticking with it. And we believe that there's something we can all learn and say, you know what, some of us are designed and wired to steward a vision, an idea for the long term. Now, I am a Southern boy raised in Nashville, Tennessee. And so we have Heather, who is a native. Now, is it Alabamian? Is that the right way to say that? Uh, That works. Yeah, that's it, man. All right. Well, okay. So my my parents uh, went to college in Alabama. So uh, yeah, yeah, come on now. (laughs) (laughs) She leads all of the discipleship efforts at National Community Church in Washington, D.C. She oversees small groups, which is really how they uh, allow their congregations to connect in smaller communities where they actually empower people within their in their congregation to lead other groups. And she directs leadership development training. Now, that's the one thing I'm going to be zooming in a big on because I think it's, it's one thing to say, I'm a great leader. And it's another thing to say, I know how to help build other leaders. You know, And so for me, I wanted to make sure we as launchers get a chance to sit with Heather today and learn what she has seen over her years, that helps not only us be great leaders, but helps us develop great leaders. Because I'm sure there's some counterintuitive things we're probably going to encounter in that journey. So Heather, thanks for coming on the podcast today.
0: Oh, Kevin, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and uh, looking forward to our time together. Awesome. Okay. Well, hey,
1: I I know i see a few questions ahead of time because I didn't, I didn't want to surprise you with anything. <laughs> but the one thing that just jumps off the page first is I love looking at the nonlinear path people take. <laughs> and the minute I start seeing biological engineering, working as an environmental engineer and policy consultant for the United States Senate, I'm thinking, what? Now you're in a church? Now you're teaching leadership development? I would love for you to just, just take us back a little bit and say, how did you get to where you are in your journey and maybe some, I would love for you to just highlight a few, maybe those hinge moments that maybe change the direction as sure. you you're.
0: Yeah. Well, I actually decided I wanted to study biological engineering when I was a seventh grader at Disney World. Uh, we were at Epcot Center of all places, <laughs> and what I understand today to be the most boring part of Epcot, the Land Pavilion. But there was this uh, there was this project that was being done between NASA, USDA, and Epcot to develop life support systems for the space station, and I was hooked. And actually, I, th- I think that story actually uh, makes my life down the road make a lot more sense because that kind of cross pollination. Has always been really important to me. So uh, I knew I wanted to study that, went to to Louisiana State University. I left my rivalry state schools to go to (laughs) LSU, studied biological engineering, and then took this really unique opportunity to come to D.C. and work for uh, a senator who was on the Environment and Public Works Committee. And he was—he uh, wanted somebody on his staff that wasn't a political science major, but actually had some experience in the topics that were being discussed wow. legislatively like, in that committee. And I just—I jumped the chance. I thought, what a what an incredible opportunity! Hmm. Didn't think that was going to be a long-term thing. So I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I got a little time there for a couple of years working as a consulting engineer. At the same time, I was—I was really growing in my love for making disciples. Like I, I just more and more was deciding that, you know, Jesus command was go make disciples. So I need to be the best disciple maker I can be, whether that's on Capitol Hill or in the engineering world. And really just started thinking of my life, you know, in those, in those ways, loved engineering, long story short, wound up back on Capitol Hill shortly after Mm. 9-11, unrelated, it was coincidental. And that's when I got tricked into ministry. All Mm. right. So some people have these like Damascus road moments or these calling stories. I just got tricked. <laughs> um, so our, our lead pastor, Mark Matterson asked if I would come on staff to oversee small groups for nine months. Hmm. And I believed that. And so I said, <laughs> yes. And then you, know, you fast forward and I found myself doing kind of two full-time jobs mm-hmm. and I had to make a, a switch. And, um, you know, so, so groups was something I was passionate about. It was something I loved. I felt like my, my life calling was to make disciples, but I felt like that was to be done in the marketplace, Mm. uh, not in a church, but I took some time to, to really think through, you know, what, what's my next step. And because I wasn't really getting clear direction, you know, in prayer and things like that, I just, I looked at where I was seeing the most fruit feeling the most fulfilled and honestly just having the most fun Mm. and decided to jump in that direction. And knowing that when I jumped in this direction, it was a big leap of faith because, you know, being gone from Capitol Hill for six months, your network tends to dry up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was already out of engineering long enough to know that I don't, I don't remember how to do that stuff. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, I, I, made that jump back in 2005 and I am so grateful uh, for the opportunities I've had here, uh, for the role I get to play, what I get to do, I love it. Having a blast.
1: Well, okay, so I, I'm personally curious of a couple of things, but I want to recap and make sure I understand. I, okay, said, okay. You had a phrase that I, I mean, you might just, you just speak from your heart, but I, I but I, you said uh, a place where I felt most fulfilled.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: You said a place where I was seeing the most fruit. Yep. And I was having the most fun. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So fulfillment fruit and fun. I'm saying I'm absolutely in my back pocket. Yeah. All right. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to pass over that. That's, 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 really helpful. Um, I'm actually, yeah, that's really great for me personally. So you, you mentioned this idea about you saying you felt called disciples and, and I'm, and I know this is a business podcast and so we're not going to, but, but I'm curious to understand what was, what was happening within you that because I, mean, I feel like that's a big nugget if you if you can say I feel this mm-hmm. while I'm in the marketplace doing my job then obviously getting opportunity to support your church and do more feels like yeah well of course that's aligning with what I'm feeling on the inside what what was happening that even because I mean even that word make disciples I mean that's a mm-hmm. that sounds heavy I mean to me I might yeah. know, I'm like you know but I'm curious like what, what was happening in your personal life or professional life that made you feel that way and then say and I felt called to it, in the marketplace.
0: Yeah. So I, I think it was just personal experience. I had some people at the time that were intentionally speaking in my life, uh, encouraging the gifts that they saw, encouraging me to grow in my character in a way that I was reflecting Christ in the marketplace and that I was doing my job with integrity and humility and competency and kind of a humble confidence mm. uh, and, a, and a humble courage. And so it was being on the receiving end of that, that made me want to do the same thing for people coming behind me, whether it was young engineers, it was young staffers on Capitol Hill. And the reason I, I wound up making the jump to the church is that is I was, I was looking at, and this is back to the fruitfulness and fulfilled and fun question. I realized, you know, I can do this for an office of 20 on Capitol Hill or I can do it for 20 people that are in 20 offices on Capitol Mm -hmm. Hill. And it's not that one is bigger or better or more significant or strategic than the other, because we need all, everybody doing that kind of thing. If they're, you know, you know, followers of Jesus and and wanting to, or even just people that just want to make a difference in the next generation or those coming behind them. And so that's part of what caused me to make that jump. Um, I feel like if we have people in the marketplace that are, Growing in their character, their competency, and their calling, and then passing that on to the next generation—that's where we're going to see change in our culture.
1: Man, you—you're dropping them. All right, that's great. Because, I, I, I mean, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I mean, this that's really helpful because I'm because I think that there is this this reality right of saying where can we find the intersection, you know, of of our passion, you know, and you know what we might feel called to do, or et cetera. And, and I and I think for me, there's just always that interesting thing to hear someone else share that part of it. So. With that being said, I mean, when we got presented with the opportunity to interview you, uh, one of the things that I was really most intrigued about hearing was your, your perspective on team building. Yeah. Um, because I, I do think that you know you know I know you do you have to do a lot of that in in kind of in a variety of ways because you have your sure. own staff that you, that you that yep. work for you as actually you know employees. Yep. Then you have volunteers that work for you as well. Uh, Absolutely. And so, and so to me, that leads to this really interesting. Uh, perspective on what it means to make a team. So from your perspective, yeah. you a great team or even just the right team right uh, for an organization or, or a project?
0: Yeah. I think that having a set of aligned values is makes for a good team. Like everybody knows these, we all have our individual values. And I think knowing what those are can help shape the corporate values, but these are our Corporate values. This is how we work together. This is how we talk together. Um, this is what we're going for. And then I think breaking that down, there's, uh, I think, honest communication. Knowing I can be honest with you. I can shoot straight with you. I'm going to do it in an honoring way and in a humble way, but I'm going to be honest is important. I think having clarity around goals we all know what we're going for, and we know what our role is in that. And then I think just having a strong culture, and culture is kind of one of those buzzwords that yes. you know, we all use it, nobody knows what it means, nobody has <laughs> to build it. But I think all of those are pieces. I think values, communication, goals, all of that plays into the culture. And I think a leader of a team, culture building and culture maintaining and culture celebrating is part of the role of the leader that you cannot delegate. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, are we a team that, you know, it, it, what, what's more important for our team, punctuality or flexibility, excellence or experimentation? And, and those things don't always have to be polar opposites, but just deciding as a team, what is going to be our culture and how are we going to celebrate that? I, I honestly think teams reading books like Radical Candor, Crucial Communication, uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, anything by John Gordon, like uh, anything by Kerry Newhoff, Teams that learn together are going to grow together. And I think that makes a strong team.
1: You said, you, you said deciding between punctuality, and flexibility, you said, you said something in collaboration, Yeah, you, you said something, you said between, you, you had a
0: phrase, I'm just curious. And now I'm trying to remember, I was it individualization and yeah, collaboration? Yeah, yeah, or? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I was curious. Yeah, yeah sorry. but, but yeah, no, I,
1: so, so with that being said, if I had to ask a follow-up, that would be so, if you had to say the components of a culture, like what are some of those components that? Because I, I agree with you. I think I mean I feel like you're such a buzzword, but you just demystified some of it, right? Okay, hey, what are our values? One. Yep. Yep. Uh, how are we going to communicate? Two. Mm-hmm. Or do or no or do you no. Know, so that's another one. Are there other pieces? You say, hey, while there might be decisions, but they have to say there's this core components of a yeah.
0: culture. Yeah. Yeah, that that that's great.
1: Mindful of what would they? What you they, they they are?
0: Yeah, I think what are our values? How do we communicate? What do we celebrate? Mm. That's a, that's a huge one. What, what do we reward? What do we celebrate? What do we count as a win? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's part of the shared goals. Mm -hmm. And then I think, uh, yeah, like how do we, how do we deal with things like failure? Mm. Uh, is that a sign that we're trying new things? We're being innovative, we're being creative and the, the, the goal isn't to avoid failure. The goal is to learn from failure. Like having, I think having some, again, I think it all comes down to values. Values, how we communicate, what the expectations are, and then what we celebrate are all components of culture.
1: Wow. I love that. I love the idea of ex, of, of, of inserting expectations, right? Yeah. So that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's really great. And I've never heard anybody use that phrase, at least, you when know, so clear, hey, we can document and clearly define expectations. Yep. Absolutely. So we do it with a role. We say, hey, here's your job description. Right. But as an organization... You know, we don't often do it as a team. Yeah, we don't know the
0: expectations of this team. Yeah, Yeah, even even when okay, when and I'm thinking now in terms of like staff departments, when another department encounters us, what is it that they can expect from us? Mm, And uh, one thing we had a a, our media team recently, this is this is just kudos to them. They created a set of uh, they look like trading cards, and they took five values that they want to have as a team. And it, it was everything from, like, customer service, creativity. Hmm. Um, and, and then they put pictures of, like, celebrities or fictional characters or even some of our staff on it. And the idea wow. is that give those away to people when they exhibit those values. And they're communicating, hey, look, when you interact with our media team, this is what you can expect of your encounter with us.
1: That's great. That's really great. Okay. So one of the questions I also had, so, you know, for many people who are listening to our podcast, even, you know, whether they're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, you know, the entrepreneur has been given a new project or new division to, to yep. a new product to develop or launch and the entrepreneur stepping out on their own and creating that new thing from scratch or, you know, building that, you know, building it up beyond themselves. What are some of the first steps you've taken and you've seen people take when building a team from scratch that we should all be mindful, mindful of?
0: Yeah, so I think that um, there are a couple of ways to to come at this. Um, whenever I launch a project at NCC, for instance, that requires a team to come around, I look for three different kinds of people. I want somebody who can bring something to the table, either in the way of they have expertise, or they have training, or they have knowledge, or they maybe they have a value or a strength that complements mine. What what who are the people that can bring something to this that we need in this process? Then I look for, for people that are around the table that can bring someone to the process. In other words, they're going to be the brand event. Maybe, maybe they don't have a lot of expertise to offer. Maybe they don't have a lot of skills in that area, but they are going to be a brand evangelist. Hmm. If we sell them, if they feel ownership, they feel bought in, their fingerprints are on it, then they're going to bring a whole lot of other people with them. That's great. And then thirdly, I always like to have around the table, someone who can learn something maybe they're young, maybe they're new to the team, maybe they're inexperienced, but being a part of the process means they're going to learn something. And what I've found every single time is that they always bring something, even if it's fresh eyes and fresh perspective, and they can think outside the box because they don't know what the box is. Um, In terms of like, if it's a team that you're putting together, like you're hiring new people, there are kind of four categories I'm looking at. One is character. And I think, you know, uh, that's talked about so much in leadership circles and, and team management and team building. That again, that's that's one of those things you could spend an entire podcast, just you know, or series talking about just character. I you dig into that. So, character, culture. I mean, is there are their values going to fit with our values? Capacity? Can they stretch? Can they can they grow? Do they have hunger? Are they humble? And then finally, competency. I mean, can they can they do the job that we're needing them to do? So that's a couple different ways to kind of approach that building a team. So, so so say, yeah. so, say the, so say those four one more time. Make sure we go. We go so. yeah. Character, culture, capacity, and competency.
1: That's great. Awesome. Okay. And and so do you I Mean out of curiosity, do you with people who are just getting started, even starting a new team, do you think it's ever too soon to start documenting values? Like like if, if it's just you, does it? Does it mean, and I mean, I you know I think we can all agree that that values matter, especially when you we know, make yeah. decisions. But I'm curious. Sometimes I mean, even as myself as an entrepreneur, there's sometimes like, well, I want to do that, but like you know. Am, is that, am I doing it too soon? Or do I need to wait till there's people there? Um, you know how? No. At what point do I make that kind of decision to write some things down?
0: Yeah, I and I do think some of these things evolve over time, mm-hmm. and they also are impacted by the people who are on the team. Um, so I, I'll just use an example. Uh, a few years ago, I I merged two teams into one, and I I was I found myself kind of um, spread a little thin, and I thought, you know what, we could actually do more together if we come together as one team. And I spent the first meeting of that, uh, that new team talking about my values as a leader hmm. and, and just acknowledging that, look, these aren't necessarily going to be your values, but I think it's important that as a team, you understand what my values are as a leader. Sure. So that because, because right, wrong, or indifferent, my values are going to affect the values of the team. Then we went through a process of all sharing our personal values and then from that being able to start building our rules of engagement and our team's values and things like that. And again, I think it's okay mm-hmm. for those things to evolve over time. And I think they've got to be practical. Like we can spend a lot of time talking about this kind of stuff. And there's always gonna be somebody around the table that's like, can we just please get something done? <laughs> um, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I am a one of my strengths is uh, is is actually um, or, or one of my values is team building and I've got somebody else on my team. They're one of their values is efficiency. So sometimes, you know, we do this, but if our values as as individuals and as teams and the cultural creating help us work together better and avoid some of the pitfalls and the conversation hijacking that can happen, I think we can leverage those values to help us work smarter, faster, and better.
1: And it's great. Okay. So from a different angle, yeah. Right. Uh, what would be some of the steps you might take if you're inheriting, or inheriting, or potentially reorganizing a team? Yeah. So, okay. So the team's there, and you mean you know is it maybe even just if a project. Hey, we already put the community together. We're gonna put the team together. Heather, step in here and and make it make it you know come to life.
0: Yeah, and admittedly, I am much better with the blank canvas. I'm better in entrepreneurial phase than reengineering phase. So this is actually a place I'm, I'm trying to learn because mm-hmm. we're going through some organizational shifts mm-hmm. at NCC that have forced me into some of, more of these re-engineering phases. The first thing I would recommend is read the book Switch by mm-hmm. Dan and Chip Heath. Okay. It, it's a book about making organizational change. And how to know what the pitfalls and the hindrances are and how to, as a leader, overcome those. I think when you're in reorganization or you've inherited a new team that's already existing, I think listing on the front end is really important. Part of this is just my personal leadership preferences. But I think if you go in swinging, you're just going to lose people. And some people can do that and do that effectively. I just move a little bit slower. I want to listen I want to understand everybody and what they've been doing and what their hopes and dreams and their goals and their values are. And then I think the casting vision piece. How do we cast a new vision that unites everybody around maybe new goals or new you know values or new expectations? So I think the communication piece, I think when you're assembling a brand new team, kind of vision leads. When you are reorganizing or stepping into a new place, I think listing leads. And then the communication challenge of vision comes, comes after that.
1: So I'm gonna be candid for a moment. Um, people, know, I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, 33 years old, you know, so, so I'm still learning a lot. I've, I've been able to do a lot, but I'm still learning a lot. And I'm hanging out with Jeff Henderson and David Farmer and Shane Benson, these guys, and they've accomplished so much in their careers. And, and as a millennial, you know, who's, who I will say is more of an emerging leader. There are times when I feel this great tension. I mean, I felt it so many times in my career where I'm like, man, I want this leader who said they want to accomplish this. I want to help them accomplish this. I'm ready to bust down the wall to go do it. And they're like, hold on, Kevin. I'm like, hold on, you did it. You convinced me. You cast this vision. You told me these goals. I'm ready to go do it. <laughs> and you said, but yeah. hold on. You know, yeah. and, and one thing I've never had the you know courage to ask or maybe even the wisdom to ask, <laughs> you said, hey, Kevin, I move slower. But I've seen leaders who sometimes move slower, they have a higher success rate from my observation. You know mm-hmm. and and I know my personality style i all I feel urgency on everything, so so I I have to dial back urgency in my head, yeah, so, but I'm curious yeah. I know clearly from I've seen it so many times now that I know there's something going on in the minds of these individuals like yourself, and my here's my guess, so I'm not trying to give you the answer, but I'm curious you can tell me I'm wrong or right. Is it because you don't yet feel like the whole team gets it like like mm. what like what is what is that thing in your head that you're looking for like Okay, it's time. Like cuz you know, i I've seen people build it and build it and build it. They build the build division and like okay, now we're going to go. I'm like you said that 8 months ago. Like I was ready to go then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, so curious. I, yeah, and I work with a lot of millennials and if if I'm just candid and frank and honest back, I would say that uh, you know, there are probably times I move slowly because maybe there's a lack of certainty or a lack of courage. That's a, mm. a leadership gap for me. Hmm. Um, One of the things I talk to young leaders about is that when you're in the driver's seat, it's a lot harder than when you're in the passenger seat. Um, When you're in the passenger seat, it's easy to to know the right answer and to know the right decision and know where you ought to go. And then you move over to the driver's seat and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I understand now. I actually... I had a, a kid, a millennial that was working with me and then moved to another church to basically do my role at that church. And he called me, and this was one of the most liberating moments of my life. He said, Heather, I understand now why there were times you moved slowly and I get it now. I understand. Mm-hmm. But, but to be honest, some of those are, you know, it's, we realize that if we make a hard decision or we go the wrong way, we've got to bear that. And so, maybe it's a, you know, we've, we've got to have just a longer runway of courage. Sometimes we know, and I've learned this by experience, I've moved faster than the team and I've lost the team in the process. Sure. And, and some leaders are okay with that. And I'm, because of the way I'm wired to the values I have, I want, I'm going to be out in the front leading, but I want to take people with me. And so sometimes I go slower in order for people to catch up to my vision a little bit. In terms of millennials that get a little frustrated, I, I do have a little story to share that, that I, yes, like, please. I don't know if it's encouraging or discouraging because <laughs> I've seen it New Boat, but, um, do both. But do you know how carrots reproduce? I do not like, know. Okay. Like, where are the carrot seeds? Like, you pull a carrot out of the ground. Underground, correct? Where are the seeds? I don't know. Uh, right? I, yeah. The first time I was asked this question, I was stumped. I had no idea. I'm biological engineer master degree had no yeah, idea i don't know okay well here's the deal if, if okay so let's just go to the local hardware store buy seeds plant them in the ground right at the end of that first season you can harvest carrot it's a perfectly good carrot looks like a carrot smells like a carrot tastes like a carrot form function are perfect right but if you want that carrot to be reproducible you have to leave it in the ground let it overwinter, and the following season the flowering stalk will shoot up with the seeds and so the lesson in that, because a lot of times millennials are wondering, why do I keep getting passed over? Why can't I be released into my anointing or my calling or, you know, whatever word you put on it, why can't I get picked? And it could be that I mean, you're going to leave your best carrots in the ground because those are the ones you want to be reproducible. So sometimes there's something going on, either a leader or if you're a person of faith, you know, blame it on God. But there's someone leaving you in the ground for your character to develop or your competency or capacity to grow because you can be thrown into that role right now and and you can do it. But maybe you're being prepared for something bigger Mm. down the road. So that you don't get burned out, you don't get eaten up, you don't, you know, lose, you don't short circuit your potential too soon. Now, some millennials hear that and they feel encouraged. A lot of them feel discouraged. But that that was a learning point for for me. That little that little story. I love it, and I will likely steal that because that's so good. <laughs> no,
1: I mean, that's convicting because I I think well, any millennial who's listening or any emerging leader, yeah, that feels they've been overlooked. I think that is. If we look back at our experiences, it's easy to see how sometimes those things, well, a lot of times really, you not getting it when you wanted it paid off for you. Totally. Yeah, totally. totally. Yeah. So so that that is that is wow, that's convicting. I love that. So that's okay. So one of the things I also wanted to ask you, and I feel like for for any leaders who are mainly in in, the in the business space, one of the reasons why I gained a tremendous amount of respect for leaders in Uh, ministry and in churches was uh, about, I would say probably, man, at this point, probably seven years ago, you know, still the book's been out longer than that. I was given um, a copy of John Maxwell's, the 21 leadership. And in the introduction of the book, he says, Hey, people might ask, what do I know about leadership? And I'm telling you, I worked in a church and there's nothing harder than leading volunteers, volunteering leading volunteers test your leadership because you don't have income right. as a motivation tool. They're right. Gonna, Absolutely. There is no I'm going to make you do it or you get fired. Yeah. And I remember thinking myself like, yes, of course, that makes complete sense that, that, that the essence of leadership is my ability to get you to do it when I don't have, you know, any kind of external power that I can leverage um, to coerce you to movement. And yeah. it also made me think to myself, what, you know, what, how do how do you go about recruiting a leader when a leader themselves doesn't have, you know, income as a motivation, right? Because I think it's one sure. thing to recruit someone who's going to be given a simple task. Hey, would if you called me tomorrow and said, hey, Kevin, would you mind sending me a couple of restaurant recommendations in Nashville? I'm going to say, absolutely. Let me take a quick look around and talk to some buddies of mine. And I'll send you back some options. But the minute you say, Kevin, will you lead a restaurant? You know, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm like, whoa, you know, like that sounds like a lot of commitment. On right. my end, when you're like, hey, I'm just trying to start something and just, just go there for me. I promise in the future I'll take care of you. You just, you just got to go down there and do it. And so I'm curious how you recruit leaders in that kind of environment. Because I feel something we can all learn from what, what that looks like for you.
0: Absolutely. I, I think the first thing, again, and I've talked about vision a little bit, but casting a vision that is is big. I think most people want to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. And it also, a vision that requires more of them than they think they have to give. Uh, I think people actually, especially the best volunteers are motivated by that. So in the church, that's easy to do. We can kind of cheat, you know, and we talk about the kingdom of God and all kinds of stuff like that. But uh, even marketplace environments, when they cast a vision that is compelling about what, what they do and how that changes culture, how it changes society, how it changes lives, Uh, that draws people in. I think helping people understand the value they bring to the process, understanding the unique role that they bring, uh, that they play. Uh, And then John Maxwell always talked about how he views his role or his calling or whatever is adding value to people. I think Mm -hmm. when they understand the value that is added to them, when we as leaders, I mean, you know, they're not coming back for money. So what is it that their volunteers are coming back for or leaders coming back for? I think anytime we add value to them while they're adding value to the process, uh, that creates a win-win. Hmm. Uh, and then finally, I just think genuinely caring for them. Hmm. And some people are better than that at that than others, but uh, when when someone knows that their leader genuinely cares about them, uh, that's gonna keep them coming back, even if they may have lost excitement about the original vision so those are a few things that I think at least we've learned in the church world that might be applicable outside Hmm,
1: that's great well so I want to kind of to end the last two questions really are kind of two sides of the same coin and it was just saying okay hey you spend your days focusing on the development of other leaders. And mm-hmm. to me, that obviously says a lot about what you have to do to work on yourself, but it also says <laughs> there's a process and some decisions you make that you know allow you to create, you know, to build and cultivate other leaders. So I'd love to understand what are some of those essential ingredients that you've seen in leadership development?
0: Yeah, in terms of building other leaders, uh, some of the things I'm about to talk about, whether the words or the concepts, we ripped right off of uh, some people that I had built a relationship with in North Point Community Church. But when we think about leadership development, uh, one of the most important mindsets shifts for us was thinking about what's the best way to deliver leadership development. I think a lot of times we think, oh, we got to gather everybody in a room and have a big presentation and program, and then people are going to be developed. The reality is that's usually not the best way to develop people. And so we think in terms of kind of four categories. One is when you're given, when you're delivering leadership development, is it best as a resource? I mean that could be a podcast just like this like hey go listen to this and then maybe let's talk about it maybe it's an article it's a book but, but what leadership development is best as a resource what leadership development is best as a conversation hmm. when you're trying to uh you know if it's a leadership development thing that's trying to troubleshoot or trying to figure out a communication challenge or how to handle conflict that might be best as a conversation hmm. and then what's best on the platform um, that is, you know, when you want to cast vision, platform is great for that. When you want to rally the troops or celebrate something in your culture, then a, the platform might be best for that. And then the fourth one would just be in the trenches, like where are those leadership development opportunities, where you just throw somebody into something, and then walk alongside them in the process. Mm-hmm. So in terms of ingredients of leadership development, I mean, I think those are four different avenues for doing mm-hmm. it, four different delivery mechanisms. And then in terms of what we're actually developing, I kind of go back to character, culture, capacity, and competency. That's great. Which I probably stole from somebody somewhere sometime. Those words, you know, in that combination aren't my own, I don't think. But, like, those are kind of the four topics then. So there's topics and delivery mechanisms.
1: I love that. First of all, that is, I mean – Clearly, I'm, I'm being selfish. So if people don't understand. Not, when we get all these interviews, I can't speak for the rest of the guys, but I'm like, I have I have half an hour with Heather. I'm, I'm taking it. I'm, I'm stealing it. No, that is so helpful because I think that any entrepreneur or intrapreneur, at least from my experience and observation, we get opportunities because we were great practitioners.
0: Ooh.
1: Hey, you know what? Heather was a great practitioner. She was a, a very loyal, supportive member of our church. And then we asked, and we saw what you're doing. I said, Heather, will you help us with this thing? Then Heather did that thing well. Then we said, can you do this other thing? And (laughs) then you did that well. And then, and every time you're leaving behind the thing that got you the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think for all of us, because that happens so organically within ourselves and, you know, conversations, resources, you said, I know, maybe something from the platform, Platform, maybe experiences those delivery mechanisms in your life feel so natural yeah, that you don't say this, this singular conversation changed everything. It's a, right. it's a combination of all of it. And right. so what ends up happening, I think, is that we can't, when, we, when it's time for us to develop other leaders, you're like, I know someone important to me, but, and I can give you what they gave me, but I know this is a unique hybrid of my own experiences and background, education, and, and it starts to feel like, what do I do yeah, to help you because I don't really, I really can't even, you know, break down what happened to me. It just yeah, kind of happened, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, you should find yourself a Heather Zimple. Heather came into my life, you know, <laughs> you know, it was, you know it was like, good luck out there. And I, think that's, <laughs> I think that's why people start to idolize mentors. Because who had a mentor? Because you come across someone who said, a mentor changed my life. And you're like, well, if I only had a mentor. And like, well, right, right. But some of it is a book. Some of it is, a, you know, a Absolutely. great you know, and so it's just fascinating to hear you say it so simply. I think so. Please forgive me, everybody, for my excitement. Um, that to me just, <laughs> it's just so I just love the simplicity of that of thinking through that, You know what things I'm talking about, and then how am I delivering it? That's really helpful. Uh, last question. If you are someone, I mean, obviously you can't build leaders if you are not yet one or right. yourself, what would you recommend to any of our listeners when it comes to how they can start developing or growing their own leadership skills?
0: Yeah. I, so I would say, I mean, first of all, just read, read all you can. I'm a reader, so maybe that's unfair for me to say. And I, I know not everybody is, um, you know, There's wired like that way. And yeah, audiobooks and then podcasts. I mean, get a regular you know diet of podcasts that you're listening to when you're driving to work walk to school you know on the uh you know treadmill at the gym running whatever you're doing like maximize your time so listen read i would say try new things and cross-pollinate some hmm. of the best leadership lessons i've learned have not been from le- reading leadership books but reading uh Gosh, historical biographies, sports biographies, uh, science books. um, I say cross pollinate. Don't just look to leadership uh, books, podcasts, things like that, but cross pollinate. I would say follow some other people. Like get behind a leader that you really respect and do whatever you have to do to get close to them. Look for Mm -hmm. ways, and, and don't ask for time on their calendar. Ask how you can help them achieve their goal. Uh, One of the things I've found is if if we will help someone else achieve their vision uh, we learn valuable lessons in the process uh, when we're asking other people to follow our vision. So get behind a leader, help them, add value to them, and then I would just say in your personal life, and this goes along with kind of the reading and the learning, but just have intentionality. I mean make a growth plan for yourself. Nobody is going to care about your growth more than you will, so Make a plan and hold yourself accountable. And I usually think in terms of a, a certain period of time, and I think in terms of what routines, what rhythms, what relationships, and what resources. I grew up Baptist, so everything's got to you know start with the same letter, I guess. <laughs> I'm
1: like um, you're killing a little <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm I'm,
0: sorry, I'm a Southern boy. I'm like preach, preach. Come on. <laughs> so you know, routines yeah. are kind of the habits we have every day. Rhythms are like you know what. How is my life ebbing and flowing in this season? The relationships, who do I need to be pouring into? Who do I need to be receiving from? And then the resource, like what am I going list, to be listening to learning from? And, and again, like make a growth plan for yourself. Hold yourself accountable. Bring somebody else into the process with you so you're doing it with somebody. Mm. And um, just hold on tight. Take wow. the, opportunity advantage. I mean, take advantage of the opportunities uh, as they come to you.
1: Wow. Heather, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. Uh, so I've really enjoyed this. I mean, I know you, you know, I know you do a lot and I do appreciate you taking time to do that. So if anybody wanted to connect with you and kind of start to follow you, how could they do that?
0: Yeah. So you can uh, find contact information on our church website, which is theaterchurch.com. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Heather Zempel, uh, Z-E-M-P-E-L. And then you can just email me at heatherattheaterchurch.com.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much for being so open to sharing. Um, I'm very grateful for your time. Heather is also a very accomplished author. So if you are a listener and you're in the ministry space, she has written very, Very many books, uh, very many, single word. (laughs) She's written many books, very many. You already know what time it is, folks. Um, She's written many books uh, on on the topics of discipleship and and leading groups and helping really develop other leaders. So I I would recommend those resources to you as well. You can find them all over Amazon. I do know that uh, there's just a recent book that came out called Big Change, yeah. Small Groups. Yep. Uh, and, that's, and that's a book that I would also recommend to any of our ministry leaders who are listening to this as well. Uh, Heather, thank you. Thank you again um, Thanks, for joining us today's podcast.
0: So appreciate it. Had so much fun. Thank you. Awesome.
1: Okay. Well, hey, uh, before we go, please, once again, thank you for listening to Launch University. We appreciate you. We do this because we want to help you make a difference. Um, and so how can you do that? First, we want to help you grow on the go. So if you will actually subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, tune in wherever you get your podcast. we would like to help you automate some of that learning, just like Heather recommended at the end of the podcast. And I didn't ask her to do that, by the way. That was all natural. The other thing (laughs) I would love for you to do is to leave a rating and review. We believe feedback is your friend. And we believe that the opportunity for you to tell us how we can improve is very valuable. Actually, just this week, I had the opportunity to email some folks back who gave us some feedback about the podcast, ideas on how to make the show better, ways to improve the uh, the audio quality. And we are taking those responses seriously. We we replied back and said, thank you. How do you think about it now? And they said, you're doing a good job. So we would like the opportunity to hear what your thoughts are. um, And we also want to make the show better in that way. Uh, Lastly, we have show notes. So we both named a couple of books. She had a lot of cool alliterations and lists for us that were really helpful in a lot of different ways. And so we understand that you probably didn't write all that down. Uh, it would have been really hard to do so because she has so much great, so much great information in that podcast and in her in her interview. So if you go to launch university, you go to the website, every single cool key point book resource, it's all listed there for you. It's our job to make this easy. So instead of you trying to kill yourself while you're driving, give us the opportunity to actually make that easy for you. So just go there and get the show notes. Um, That's kind of one of the things we want to do for you. And the last thing is share this with a friend. Share this with your team. Do not hoard this information. We know that we can all make a difference if we're more empowered with what we need to do that. So please pass this along to someone you know would appreciate it and benefit from that. That would make us very, very, very grateful. So on behalf of Dave with Jeff Shane. I want to thank Heather again. Thank you for listening. And uh, we hope to have you join us next time on the Launch University podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be
1: sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.